Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Today I'm going to talk about frontside skis. Now, the front side of the mountain may not be the most topographically diverse part of the hill, but the skiers who populate it are the most polyglot we've got. Timid intermediates, cruising seniors, the terrain park contingent, ski school classes, pods of families, and lone dive bombers all crowd into the same space and try to pretend they're the only ones there. <laughs> no wonder we refer to the front side as a zoo without cages. Appealing to this many constituency requires all kinds of skis, from relative noodles to absolute rails, most with system bindings and some without, a few built for comfort and a lot built for speed. It's the largest field we examine and perhaps the trickiest to find the perfect match. The feature all these skis share is a waist that is neither skinny nor fat and a design that expects to be exposed primarily to groomed terrain. Almost every entry-level ski for the neophyte falls into this family. But there are also a lot of choices for skiers who prefer to fly around at 50 miles an hour. The intended terrain is almost exclusively groomed, but the wider bodies within this family will travel off-slope if asked. Because carving turns is the aspirational activity associated with skiing on groomed trails, this genre is often tagged with the carving label. But we've chosen frontside as its more ecumenical term that includes a lot of non-technical skiers in its cadre. It's also germane to mention that the very best carving skis aren't necessarily in this compendium as they are invariably on the narrower end of the spectrum, which is not the ski world's current flavor of the month. The majority of skis in this genre are sold with an integrated binding that is inextricably married to a specific model. While the binding company is responsible for the binding design, it's up to the ski maker to assemble the interface that secures it to the ski. The integrity of this linkage varies from brand to brand, but the idea behind the so-called, quote, system ski does not. The binding sets in or on an interface that adds damping, reduces the binding's natural impingement on ski flex, and increases the skier's leverage over the edge. There are countless iterations of frontside skis that are not covered in what I'm going to talk about today. That includes the ocean of entry-level packages that resides at the bottom of this pool, skis that are bought primarily to fit a price, like $3.99 with binding, as much as a purpose. They are generally unavailable for ski testing or demoing, thank the Lord. Interest in the genre is generally declining, I'd have to say because of the favorability for wider and wider footprints. While we could find more models to cover, this really isn't the hot spot in the marketplace, and just throwing a lot of models into this review or coverage would lend more confusion than clarity. Now, skiers that are looking for real carving power in a ski that's less than 80 millimeters underfoot, they should just leapfrog directly to non-fis race skis as far as this particular pundit is concerned. The best skis in this genre, the ones I'm going to cover today, are unabashedly skewed to the very skilled skier who lives at a high edge angle. These skis do not stoop to conquer, with mushy, terrain-conforming baselines that mask a skier's aptitude for cutting a clean edge. They like their snow hard and the throttle open. Defying both conventional wisdom and our own expectations, 
Top power models continue also to be among the highest rated for finesse properties, indicating that it's possible to make a ski that blazes down the mountain that also feels neck-raining simple to steer. Of course, we unearthed a few power potentates with a more typical disdain for slow, mincing turns and a minuscule minority of finesse favorites designed to boost their pilot's prowess and self-esteem. Last year, that is just the prior season, a flood of new models hit this field, with new series from Atomic, Dinastar, Elan, Fisher, Nordica, Solomon, and Vocal inundating the largest cast that we examine. While there's less model turnover this year than last year, we still counted 10 new frontside skis, seven of which earned recommended medallions on real skiers. Among new models, two totally fresh super shapes from head earned the highest aggregate scores. The new E-Titan and E-Rally have never been more differentiated. The E-Titan clearly has a taste for off-trail terrain, while the E-Rally revels in classic short-radius carves on hard snow. In the same league as the new super shapes is a returning legend, Kessley's MX-83. Its immaculate edge treats gravity's pull as its plaything. Competing for the same skier is Vogel's new Deacon V-Works, which goes for a completely different snow feel, with ultralight carbon doing the heavy lifting. As you might expect, the most accessible new carvers come from the kings of kindness at K2. The widest models in its new Disruption series, the 82Ti and 78Ti, are intuitive cruisers that are more relaxing to zip around on than the typical carver. Rounding out the recommended rookies is Vocal's redesigned Kanjo 84, one of the few models at its price, which is only $700 manufacturer's price, so figure something around $599 probably out the door, to earn a spot on this roster, which is so loaded with what is otherwise high-end talent. And that's where we're going to begin, with our power picks. These are skis that come alive at high edge angles. There are several strata of lower-priced frontside skis made for skiers of modest ambition, but you won't find any of them here. Our power picks are intended for experienced skiers with a full skill set. Edge grip at high speed is a paramount virtue. The better the skier, the better the match with the skis identified here. They aren't trying to teach you how to ski fast on firm snow. They expect you already to know how. This is where we issue our annual caveat that a great power ski is often accompanied by inflated finesse scores, a signal from the testers that they feel the ski has no flaws or limitations. The point being, a high finesse score doesn't guarantee that the model will be easy for anyone to ski, only that it feels automatic to a highly adept expert. Our number one ski in the frontside genre for this year is the returning Vocal Deacon 84. Two years ago, Vocal restructured its beloved mantra by concocting a new technology called Tetanal Frame. Last season, Vocal applied the Tetanal Frame touch to its frontside family. The new Paterfamilias is the Deacon 84, and like the M5 mantra, it represents a return to traditional Vocal values. Compared to the RTM 84 it replaced, the Deacon 84 has more edge-gripping power, more energy out of the turn, and an overall bigger performance envelope. It's not just better than its predecessor, it outscored the entire frontside field in the primordial technical criteria of early turn entry and short-radius turns, as well as earning the top finesse score in the category, not bad for what is inherently a power ski. 
What is it about the Deacon 84 that allows it to be all skis to all frontside skiers? It's the alluring combination of a fiberglass torsion box and tactically placed tetanal parts that nullify shock without stifling the glass structure's natural springy nature. Its exceptional rebound, it will lift you right off the snow if you punch it, derives from the Deacon 84's 3D glass, top and bottom glass laminates that come together above the sidewall to create a torsion box. The three-part tetanal frame anchors the forebody and tail while allowing the center to react to pressure so the glass can compress and load up with energy for the turn transition. As if immaculate edge grip weren't enough, the Deacon 84 comes in three sizes, small, medium, and large, facilitated by a triple radius side cut that gives the pilot total control over turn shape. Jim Schaffner, a MasterFit University instructor and longtime coach, quote, found this ski to be very versatile. This ski was super easy to pivot slash drift, yet at the same time, on medium pitches where I could go for it and really engage the front of the ski, I could feel the power and control. This is going to be a very popular ski for a large group of the market, he predicts. The Deacon 84's intoxicating blend of high-twitch reactions and nailed-to-the-snow stability sets a new standard for how playful and responsive a frontside carver can be. Part of its special feel could be due to the lower stand height of its integrated binding interface that puts the skier one centimeter closer to the snow. The next ski in our lineup is Kessley's MX-83. Kessley's 2021 MX-83 is both typical of a current trend and atypical in a way all its own. The trend it's party to is how a series of modest modifications amount to a significant change, especially in finesse qualities. It's unique among such upgraded models in that the name it's reassuming happens to be the legendary MX-83, inarguably one of the greatest frontside models ever made. Let's first dissect the tech tweaks that distinguish the new MX-83 from the MX-84 it replaces, starting from the tip, which is two millimeters narrower, yet how is a fresh version of Kessley's signature holotech insert, that bright color in the front of the tip that's sort of Kessley's signature feature. It nearly fills the entire shovel on the new MX-83. A less noticeable but nearly equally important alteration took place in the core, where heavy silver fur was swapped out for poplar, the reigning lightweight wood of choice among big mountain models. In a 175 centimeter that will be a popular size, the MX-83 comes in 58 grams lighter than the 176 MX-84. While not strictly speaking a technical change, it's worth noting nonetheless that the MSRP for the MX-83 has peeled $100 off the asking price in a year when several brands are inching their prices upwards. Unlike many frontside models, the MX-83 has no shock-sucking binding interface to muffle snow feel. If purchased as a system, the Trollia binding it's mated with connects toe and heel but remains relatively close to the ski. Among the MX-83's other rare traits compared to its peers is it's the product of a new Czech ownership and factory. All preliminary indications are that taking control of its own manufacturing was a great idea, enabling the brand to reproduce the immaculate finish that helped to relaunch Kessley in 2007. The reason the return of the MX-83 ought to interest experts everywhere is because it responds so intuitively to technical commands. All you have to do is look where you want to go and you're there. Its fully cambered baseline feels super glued to the snow, inviting speeds that would cause lesser lights to shake loose. Most skis this torsionally rigid don't flow over and around moguls too well, 
but the MX-83 has an almost liquid flow bred into its bones. One of the best indicators of a great ski is how well it performs in conditions for which it wasn't made. By this measure, the MX-83 remains an all-time great. Sure, it's a gas to make deep trenches and corduroy at speeds that on another ski would be terrifying, but the MX-83 adopts the same attitude towards all terrain. It doesn't care where you point it because it's confident in its abilities, a self-assurance that invariably rubs off on its pilot. If it sounds like the MX-83 is too much ski for you, in one sense you're right, and in another you're dead wrong. You're right in that you may never live up to the capabilities of this extraordinary ski. Its ceiling will forever be above you. But you're wrong to think the average skier can't savor its delights. The MX-83's size range is skewed short so that lighter or less talented skiers can experience perfection without necessarily being able to epitomize it. In its shorter lengths, the MX-83 makes an excellent silver skier selection if for no other reason than by this stage in your life, you've earned it. Before I introduce the next ski, I should point out that all the top skis in this genre, and it's not unusual in most genres, in fact, that the very top end are all excellent skis. You could say that they're all equally excellent, but we can't talk about all of them at once, so we have to talk about them in a series. But trust me, the ski that I'm about to talk about next, the Stokely Laser AR, is not the fourth best ski in this genre. You could make a very strong case. It's the first ski in the genre, but that's not the issue either. The point is that they're all really good. They're just all different in slightly different ways, and there's no way to talk about them at the same time. So we have to give them in series. And so in that series, here is our next ski, the Stokely Laser AR. If one were to believe the pandering pros describing the Laser AR in Stokely's 2021 catalog, it's an all-terrain ski. By the way, Stokely annually produces the most lavishly produced yet poorly written catalog in the ski world. Here's a taste lifted from the Laser AR's thumbnail portrait, and I quote, This ski is especially well suited for the entire mountain in support of the saying, Come what may. End of quote. I love the oxymoronic claim of being precisely adapted for everything, particularly for a ski directly extracted from race room technology with the tech specs of a classic carver. In Stokely's defense, everyone's catalog copy is an exercise in bloviation, but there's not much point in model differentiation, one of the main objectives of any catalog, if at the end of the day, every ski skis every condition perfectly. Surely Stokely's claims about the AR's versatility are merely unchecked marketing hyperbole that couldn't possibly be true. Then you go ski it in 10 inches of wind-affected crud and discover, damn, it really doesn't care what the conditions are. Of course, it doesn't even try to float on top. It simply demolishes whatever you put in front of it. If you need assistance with your off-trail technique, the Laser AR is not going to help you figure it out. But if you have the skills, you'll find it rock-solid, quick on and off the edge, and totally connected to the turn. For the accomplished technical skier, Stokely's goofy catalog copy turns out to be accurate. The Laser AR will keep on carving, come what may. The Laser AR succeeds as an all-terrain tool, largely due to a feature created to control torsion and race skis, the domain the Laser family calls home. Called torsion racing technology, Stokely has a name for absolutely everything, it consists of longitudinal splits in the bottom tetanal laminate that allow the tip and tail to deflect. 
What helps maintain edge contact on hard snow also lets the extremities adapt to irregular terrain without overreacting. But even TRT can't turn this exquisite carver into a true crud ski. Just because the laser AR can and will ski anything doesn't mean it's perfect for all conditions. It simply means it treats all conditions with equal contempt. <laughs> Which brings us to the head Supershape E-Titan. Of the four Supershape models, the one that underwent the most telling transformation for the 2021 season was the E-Titan. In previous generations, the Titan and the Rally, its near twin in the line, were very close in every respect. This year, the E-Titan has put more distance between it and its thinner sibling, the Rally. It's not just that the E-Titan has plumped up to an 84mm waist. It's also been trimmed down at tip and tail. By taking some of the shape out of the side cut, the E-Titan has become more adapted to uneven terrain and even powder, while the E-Rally remains an unadulterated carver. To put it more plainly, the E-Titan is more at home in a big-bellied GS arc, while the E-Rally is genetically inclined to slalom turns. Comparing the new E-Titan to the Titans of yore, the latest issue feels smoother flexing and easier to compress at less than rocket speeds. This is due in part to how Head takes advantage of graphene's ridiculous strength-to-weight ratio to redistribute heavier materials so they're not all concentrated underfoot. Reducing the core profile underfoot and making the middle of the ski softer allows it to bend more fully, unleashing the E-Titan's flawless grip. The flex pattern is matched to the side cut and baseline of each length to achieve a more fluid, balanced flex pattern that makes skiing feel as natural as walking. Head's deep roots in race ski design has honed a keen interest and expertise in exotic dampening methods, a tradition continued in the E-Titan. Gone are the previous KERS or KERS piezos in the tail of the I Titan, Head's new form of shock therapy, Energy Management Circuit or EMC, is located in key vibrational nodes on either side of the binding. The EMC system is preset to nullify vibrations when they hit 80 Hz, which you won't hit unless you're cooking, but if you do hit this threshold, it will become an addiction. You won't be able to stop hitting it. I don't want to cast dispersions on prior Titans' off-trail aptitude, as they were as good off-piste as any other carvers, but the E-Titan is so much better. This is mainly attributable to changes to its side cut so that it finds a more level path through powder and crud. But EMC should also take a bow. After all, it's ready to kick in whenever you get to 80 hertz. How you get there is up to you. Some carvers can be finicky. They're wonderful to ski as long as you do it according to their definition of what's right. But the shallower side cut of the E-Titan makes it more open-minded. Pick a turn shape, any turn shape, and the E-Titan can dance to it. Pretty much anyone can hop on a pair and have fun, as its slick blend of carving power and driftability opens up the bottom end of its ability envelope, as well as the ungroomed side of the mountain. The 2021 E-Titan is available both with and without a binding system. If you know you're going to spend a lot of time on your Titans in off-trail conditions, you might prefer the snow feel of being closer to the deck. However, if you're going to spend more than half the time on groomers, the binding interface adds power and leverage to what is already a powerful ski. Which brings us to a very atypical carver, the Liberty V76. 
The Liberty V76 is unlike any other ski in the frontside genre, and it, that, I mean that in a good way. It provides the feel of a race slalom ski, but without the insistence on a single turn shape, nor the sensation muffling effects of a wonking binding interface. It reminds me in a way of the retired Blizzard RCTI, which was a finesse slalom ski, which is a rarity then as now. The V76 imparts a thrilling cocktail of sensations that don't normally mix. It's inherently both lively and damp, urgently on and off a steeply angled edge or content to ride a relaxed, languid arc. Best of all, it's instantly accessible. You don't need to adapt to it because it's already one move ahead of you, adapting to you. For this reason, it's a brilliant re-entry vehicle for skiers who've been out of the sport for over a decade and want to try something that is both new and yet familiar. The unique construction that allows the V76 to simultaneously maintain world-class snow contact and sensuous snow feel is Vertical Metal Technology, or VMT. VMT consists of vertical aluminum struts that run tip to tail. When it was introduced two years ago, the V76 had two such struts. Last season, Liberty added a third to boost its effectiveness on hard snow. As you might imagine, a longitudinal vertical strut will resist any force that tries to bend it, which is how the V76 is able to achieve such unshakable edge grip. Theron Lee, who's a master technician in the domains of boot fitting, ski tuning, and race technique, composed this assessment of the V76. Quote, Smooth and easy to ski. The quickness to the edge made this a very fun ski for me. By the way, T. Lee is a natural slalom skier. Yet damp enough to be skied at speed. The ski was quiet but not dead, he continues. You could feel the edge and know where you were in the ski as well as where you were in the turn. The ski follows terrain well and its liveliness was much appreciated. Whatever they use to dampen the ski, it works without killing the ski. You feel the fun factor. Ski's a bit shorter than advertised but very accurate in the variety of turn shapes it was put through. Perfect ski for hard groomers, soft groomers, bumps, spring slush, and steeps. It would probably be fine billy-goating around off-piste, but a wider ski would be more appropriate. Not too demanding for a beginner, but adequate support for the expert. While T. Lee's final point is well taken, the V76's full range of talents is certainly best appreciated by a skilled technical skier like Lee, rather than someone who still stems their turns. Its 15-meter radius side cut favors the skier who likes his turns tight and tidy, although it only takes a tweak of edge angle to extract a longer turn. For its striking bundle of quickness and stability in a ski that takes so little effort to pilot, we again award the Liberty V76 a silver skier selection. As we've also done for Stokely's Laser AX, our next ski in this lineup. It's a testament to the enduring excellence of the returning Laser AX that we called all new data on it and its scores barely budged from those we logged last season. Stokely never seems satisfied with perfection. No one was complaining that the 2018 Laser AX was unstable or insufficiently smooth or hacking in contact at the top of the turn, but last year Stokely found ways to improve the Laser AX in all areas. The keystone move was a slight widening of the tip and tail called full edge contact that engages the ski the instant it's tipped. FEC works in concert with tip and tail rocker zones to reduce rocker and increase edge contact whenever the tip is pressured, a feature Stokely calls adaptive contact length, or ACL, perhaps an unfortunate 
<laughs> acronym on their part. Another auto-correcting technology is turtle shell, which are S-shaped splits in the top and bottom sheets of tetanol that tighten when tensioned by shock and flexion. At slow speeds, they don't induce the same level of vibration, and the turtle shell tetanol sheets relax, so the ski is easier to flex and control. Other features inaugurated last season include a new light core made from balsa for lighter weight and faster reflexes, and a turtle grip textured top skin that's more durable. The combined effect of all these elements is to expand the laser AX's reach. Turtle shell modulates the ski's response to speed and pressure, so intermediates can command it in confidence. The extra shape and earlier contact of ACL, the acronym too far, <laughs> creates crazy good turn initiation for a rockered tip. Quote, a forgiving carver which can rip or relax is one tester's succinct portrait of its on-hill versatility. Another submits a more granular report. Quote, a sweet ride. You can make small turns, long turns, high speed and slow. A young ripper to a seasoned veteran can ski this ski. Not overly edgy, smooth as silk. Women can ski this ski. Low intermediates can up and use this ski. Close quotes. That doesn't leave many skiers for whom the Laser AX is not designed. <laughs> that may sound like hyperbole, but all it will take is one run on the Laser AX to convince you that it's not. Next in our hit parade, and keep in mind we have yet to hit any sort of fall-off in quality, far from it, for next is the Vocal Deacon V-Works. Now, Vocal's always cultivated a high-end clientele, both in terms of skill set and what they're willing to pay for skis. The German brand has been so successful at cultivating an affluent expert customer base that it has the enviable problem of being pigeonholed as a high-end ski for talented skiers. But even the expert ski market has a price ceiling above which it's risky to rise, which puts a damper on commercial adventurism. But what if money were no object? To answer this envelope-pressing question, Vocal created V-Works, a special production that focused on the holy grail of ski design, super-light construction wedded to elite performance. The star product of the V-Works lab was the Katana V-Works, which remains in the line in 2021. Its 3D ridge chassis worked so well, it became the backbone of Vocal's non-race collections. From a construction standpoint, it's the conceptual godfather of almost the entire line. The new Deacon V-Works isn't likely to have as much of a downstream impact as the Katana V-Works, both because it would be tough to clone less expensively and because Tetanal Frame is now firmly ensconced as the dominant design among non-race vocals. But in its own domain, it's as impressive a tool as the original Katana V-Works was and remains among big mountain skis. All carving skis are judged by how well they maintain edge connection on hard snow. Classically, the key to keeping a ski quiet all along its edge was to ladle on the tetanol, a proven method that achieves its dampening objective in part by its mass. As a leader in lightweight design, V-Works instead turned to its wheelhouse material, carbon, to make a damp, non-metal ski that would be light and responsive. Several factors work together to make the Deacon V-Works easy to steer into a tight radius turn without a lot of encouragement from the pilot. The cambered center section of its 3D radius side cut is slalom turned tight at only 14 meters and a 172. All the skier has to do to activate it is to raise the edge to a high angle, a normal move for anyone who knows how to carve. To make it easier to depress into a deep carve, the abbreviated camber line underfoot is fairly shallow and soft. The tip and tail rockers are long and gradual, so the long radius zones in front and rear don't interfere with the ski's quickness to the edge. 
The absence of metal and low elevation of the marker system give the Deacon V works a clarity of snow feel and lively energy that's relatively rare among elite carvers. Theron Lee, a technical skier with the stance and style of a slalom specialist, found the Deacon V works to be, quote, very powerful and precise, best suited for someone with race technique or at least a proficient skier. Fun for a good skier, a handful for an intermediate. Very smooth and stable at speed. The faster you go, the better. In short, V-Works hit its target. The Deacon is a high-energy carver that simplicity itself to steer for skiers with the requisite skills. Which brings us to a ski that virtually epitomizes this category, the Head Super Shape E-Rally. Now, Head didn't invent the shape ski, but when the carving revolution was in its infancy, it was the first major brand to commit to the concept with its Cyber Series. Over the last quarter century, its commitment hasn't wavered, consistently offering several skis in its collection with curvaceous side cuts. For the last decade, the focus of Head's non-race carving models has been the Super Shape series, a family that remains intact in 2021, albeit in a new incarnation. In light of its long history of making category-crushing carvers, it's saying something to assert that the new batch of Super Shapes is the best ever, and that among them the E-Rally hits the sweet spot. As it approaches a new turn, the E-Rally is like the smarty pants in class who is practically jumping out of his seat because he knows the right answer. At the first hint of recognition that its pilot wants to change direction, it dips and tugs into the turn. All it needs is a little more encouragement in the form of a tilted edge, and it's cutting a short radius arc you couldn't bobble if you tried. As the skier's energy shifts to the tail at arc's end, the E-Rally provides an earthquake-proof platform for transitioning to the next exhilarating turn. With its 54mm drop between tip and waist width, along with two thick end-to-end wall-to-wall sheets of tetanol, you'd surmise the E-Rally isn't open to suggestion about turn shape, but you'd be wrong. Sure, if you take full advantage of its side cut, you can cut a world-class slalom turn, but back off the edge angle and you can extract whatever shape you want. A parallel point can be made about the E-Rally's attitude about speed. It's not mandatory to go 40 miles per hour, but you'll never discover the amazing effect of Head's new Energy Management Circuit, or EMC, if you don't give it some gas. The EMC converts vibration to electric current at precisely 80 hertz, so you have to generate enough shock to trigger the EMC conversion. When you have sufficient energy coursing through its system, the E-Rally becomes both calmer and more responsive, reacting to a jolt of added pressure with palpable forward propulsion. While rolling edge-to-edge in a wide stance, dual-track style, is the E-Rally's stock and trade, it's not a one-note ski. On one test run at Mammoth, I diverted to a steep slope reserved for race practice, and it was cast in early morning shadow. This was not the sort of quote-unquote snow or pitch that would hold a gently applied edge. To prevent chatter, you had to hit each edge set hard and fast. The E-Rally adapted to this catch-and-release style as if it were a straight slalom of yore, pinging off the edge with the reflexes of a race ski. As a rule, a frontside ski should be skied short, and the E-Rally is no exception. Its slight early rise in the tip is utterly unnoticeable because as soon as the E-Rally is tipped, its entire edge is engaged, so you don't lose any effective edge length to rocker. There's no point at which you lose edge connection unless you lift the ski off the snow, and whenever a ski is on the snow, it's as solid as the Rock of Gibraltar. Quote, a great, predictable performance, confirms Starthouse's Jim Schaffner. It's playfulness with power.
Next up is the stablemate of our top-ranked vocal Deacon 84, its younger brother, you might say, the Deacon 80. There's a trail of clues that would lead a ski behavioral therapist to believe that the new vocal Deacon 80 is the inferior in the relationship with its bigger brother, the Deacon 84. For starters, there's its price, which works out to $100 less at retail. Price is usually an indicator of the cost of goods, and sure enough, the Deacon 80 uses glass for its three-piece top laminate instead of the tetanol in the 84. And the Deacon 80 is, of course, narrower, which among carving skis can sometimes indicate that it's geared slightly lower. While these indicators are all true enough, the reality on snow is that the Deacon 80 is definitely in its brother's league, but it offers a different bundle of sensations. It's more of a step laterally than down the product quality ladder. It uses the same structure as the 84's tetanol frame with glass in lieu of metal. The 80 copies the 3D ridge and 3D glass construction of the 84. It has exactly the same size splits, ranging from 162 to 182. And while it's slimmer, it's thinner by the same 4 millimeters everywhere. So its side cut radius is also identical to the 84's. According to our results, the Deacon 80 performs just a hair below its beefier bro in all technical criteria except the all-important one of continuous carving, the defining characteristic of the frontside genre. While it's not quite as lively coming off the edge as the 84, for this very reason the Deacon 80 is easier to move edge to edge without breaking contact with the snow. Quote, typical vocal, muses one of Joe's Ski Shop's testers. Very stable, smooth ride. Strong edge engagement with the proper angle. Not a lot of pop, but held well in high-speed GS turns. Can be skied with a light touch, too. Ward Piles of Peter Glenn calls the Deacon 80 an excellent redesign. A power driver that is relaxing to be on, no matter the turn shape. More fun with less effort. Isn't that what shape skis were supposed to be about in the first place? Now we're up to the Doberman Spitfire 80RB from Nordica. That Doberman name is your first clue that this ski is going to be closely related to a race ski. When Nordica was finding its feet as a ski brand, it earns its first critical acclaim and commercial foothold with its collection of carving skis. In the current market, the runaway success of Nordica's Enforcer series has pushed its frontside Spitfire models into the shadows, an unfortunate byproduct of Nordica's ascendance into the first rank of ski makers. No one ski can change skiers' infatuation with wide, off-trail models, but the Doberman Spitfire 80RB would gladly volunteer for the job. Powerful and playful in nearly equal measures, it's such a confidence-inspiring platform that you'll want to take it with you everywhere you go. Quote, easy turning and forgiving, notes Bobo's Theron Lee. Very user-friendly, drifts well but holds an edge at higher edge angles. Feels like a western frontside ski, able to handle soft snow as well as hard. Good energy feedback but not overly damp. Better at speed, with a lower response at slower speeds. Suitable for intermediates up to and including frontside speed addicts. Close quotes. The tip-to-tail camber line on the Spitfire 80RB creates an instant connection to the top of the turn and releases energy at the bottom with a peppy pop. Quote, a great dynamic performer, assesses Starthouse's Jim Schaffner. I could have a blast all day on groomers with this one. The Spitfire 80 is available either flat at 800 bucks or with its own plate and binding at 1000 
This is not an idle choice, as the plate version doesn't just change how the ski feels underfoot, it stabilizes the entire ski as if the plate were full length. You might think a race-style plate would make the Spitfire 80 an unmanageable hellion in low-depth crud, but the opposite is true. By stiffening the ski, the plate also stiffens its resolve to kick the crap out of whatever's in its way. If your plan for the Spitfire is to crush high-speed groomers in the early morning, and you have the skills to commit your hips to the turn, the plate defangs all vibrations that might perturb your blazing descent. To get full value out of the Spitfire 80, with or without the plate arrangement, it pays dividends to be skilled. Pay heed to the remarks of Cordy Lawrence, who is the epitome of the strong technical skier. Quote, 80 millimeters is a good width, versatile yet still agile and playful. Like all Nordicas, you need to be lord and master, by which he means you better be in charge or else the ski will be. Jim Schaffner, another tester who fits the profile of the powerful technician, summarizes his perception of the Spitfire 80 as, quote, a very playful experience, very easy to ski, a very good frontside super ski, close quotes. And on to the Doberman Spitfire 76RB, the narrower little brother of the ski we just reviewed. If you don't know how to engage a ski at the top of the turn and don't care to know, you might as well stop reading about the Nordica Doberman Spitfire 76RB right now. It has the cleanest, highest, earliest connection to the next turn in a category in which this particular trait is prized. But if you're still lingering on the downhill edge when you should be already tilting in the other direction, you'll miss the moment. Don't worry if you do, for the Spitfire 76 will find the edge as soon as you give it a chance. But part of what makes this review an unblushing rave will pass you by. If you're hooked on the G's generated in a short turn, you'll feel right at home on this Cobra quick stick. It has the reflexes of a fencer, moving the center of the arc where it ignites and, as it says in its name, fires the skier across the fall line. The Doberman Spitfire 76RB has all the qualities a strong skier expects in a race ski, just detuned to red hair so it's more fun for free skiing. Jim Schaffner from Starthouse, a big man with an ingrained race technique for which the term, quote, powerful seems inadequate, wrote of the Spitfire 76, quote, I felt like I could do anything on this ski. It's fun, lively, snappy, with a dash of the Doberman race heritage feel. The better you are as a skier, the more you'll appreciate the Spitfire 76. It's both reason and reward for why you bothered to get good in the first place. The more speed you run through as fully loaded race caliber construction, the more accurate and active it becomes. Nordica's history as a ski maker isn't long, but during its young life it has already acquired a reputation for quality carving tools. The Spitfire 76RB is unequivocally better than all its ancestry. Cordy Lawrence, like Schaffner well above average in both size and talent, was wowed by the Spitfire 76, despite having to ski it in murky flat light. Quote, quick, stable, predictable, well-balanced ski, lauds Lawrence. Symmetrical fore and aft, energetic rebound without being too aggressive. Rewarding. Still needs a steady hand at the helm, cautions the former co-owner of Footloose, who contributed this coda on his test card. Quote, as long as you can feel the tip and tail, this ski works for skiing by Braille. I can't write about the Nordica 76 without flashing on images of Mike Rogan, America's best ski instructor and the only five-time U.S. demo team member, on a pair of these skis. Whenever I see a picture of a skier in perfect position, every angle as immaculate and as symmetrical as an M.C. Escher etching, I check to see if it's Mr. Rogan. Like Roger Federer, his style is both classic and inimitable. 
None of us will ever be as good as Federer or Rogan, but on the Spitfire 76, at least for a few turns, you can imagine you're the latter. I see by the frantic gestures of my sound engineer that I've exceeded the tolerance of even my most ardent adherents, and so with these words I must leave you, dear listeners, until the next episode of This Is Your Host, Jackson Hogan. This has been Real Skiers with Jackson Hogan. Thanks for listening.